So we have this truth in the Bible that God works all things for our good. But then we have our experience. And I think that sometimes our experience seems to indicate that that isn't true all the time. That sometimes our hardships don't always produce good and maybe even sometimes they produce something bad. So how do we reconcile those two things? Does God always produce good out of hardship? And how does he do that? Let's explore that today. Hi everybody, I'm Joseph Walter and this is Loving Theology. So we just finished up a series on God's love in our suffering, and I'll put a link for that series up above so that you can watch it in case you missed it. But in that series, we saw the incredible good that suffering can produce in us, that suffering can produce for us, and that suffering can produce for others. But as we look around, I think that we see that probably more often than not, suffering can also produce harm. Whether it's poverty or disability or abuse, we see that these hardships are correlated with more hardships, more challenges, and negative outcomes later in life. So while our series taught us that suffering can produce good, our experience has also taught us that suffering can produce harm as well. And yet, in the midst of all of those stories, some incredible stories come where people overcame their adversity, that even though they faced hardship, that they didn't let that hardship define them, but they overcame it. In fact, we saw some of those stories in the last series of people who experienced suffering and yet came out better for it in the end. So are these just random stories or is there some pattern here? And I think more to my question, how do we experience suffering in such a way that it does produce good for us and not harm? Is there a way that we can pattern our response to suffering so that we do come out overcoming the adversity rather than letting it define us. Now, before I answer that question, I wanna start with something more foundational. Let's start with a definition. Let's define what we mean whenever we say the word good. More specifically, what is the good that God is working for us and in us in the midst of suffering? Oh, and if you like this discussion, you might also like our discussion on the definition of love. So I'll put a link to that video up above for you. When God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, we know that he was working good for them but they often didn't feel that he was working good for them. For example, whenever they approached the Red Sea and they saw Pharaoh's army approaching from behind, they felt trapped and they felt very afraid. And they started complaining to Moses. As a matter of fact, it almost sounds like they're heckling him. In Exodus 14, 11 through 12, they say this, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And I can kind of understand the Israelites' confusion. I mean, God knows that Pharaoh's army is right behind us and that he's coming after us. So why would he lead us to such an impassable obstacle? Why would he take us to the Red Sea where we were gonna be trapped by the army? How in the world is that good to get trapped by Pharaoh's army? So why did he do it? He did it to make his power known to them by parting the Red Sea before their eyes. And whenever he did that, it built faith in them. It built their faith and their trust and their confidence in him. Take a look at what it says right after they passed through the Red Sea. In Exodus 14, starting in verse 31, it says, the Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. 
Getting to see God's power like this not only built their faith, but it also built their confidence in relying on God. They knew that God was bigger and stronger than their enemies, so they didn't have to be afraid of their enemies, but they could trust in God's power to rescue them. Listen to what they say in Exodus 15, starting in verse 15. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. And I think there's something to this story. Just like the Israelites, God doesn't always lead us down the easy road. Sometimes he takes us to an impassable obstacle. He puts us in a situation that we know that there is no earthly way that we can make it through. And he does so to demonstrate his power for us because of the good that that demonstration produces in us, the good that it produces by building our faith, by building our confidence reliance on him so that we do rely on him whenever we feel trapped and that there isn't a way out. And I'd like to maybe ask you to share a story of how God demonstrated his power in your life and built your faith and trust in him. Share those in the comments below so that you can build the faith of others through the same stories that built your faith. So we can see in this story the kind of good that God works in us through our suffering. That God prefers the eternal value of faith and reliance on him and the good that that produces in us eternally over the temporary hardship of not taking the easy road, of not making our life easy. But like we said in the beginning, hardship doesn't always produce this good. So let's talk now about what can we do to make sure that we do receive this good the good that God has for us in the midst of adversity. So first of all, we can be confident that suffering can produce good in us. We can be confident because we have the most certain of all guarantees, God's guarantee. God has promised that he will work all things for our good in Romans 8.28. But if we have that promise, if we have that certainty, then why do we see that suffering does produce harm in so many people? To answer that, let's take a closer look at that promise in Romans 8.28. It says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. So what that means is this promise isn't given to everyone, but it's given to those who love God. Another way of saying that is that this promise has a condition. In order to receive this promise, we must love God. But at first glance, that sounds a little harsh. It almost sounds like God is unwilling to produce good for us unless we love him. But I know that this isn't true. God has already demonstrated how he loves us and wants and desires our good, that he is willing to work good for us, even whenever we don't love him. We don't have to look any further than the cross to answer that question. It's in Romans 5, 8, where he says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So why then is this promise given only to those who love God? I think that Hebrews 12 verse 11 helps to illuminate a little bit of the reason why by explaining the way that God does produce good in us. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So I said in another post that I'll link above that that word discipline in that verse can partly be understood as the way that God works good in us by training us in the midst of adversity. That is how he works good for us in the midst of our adversity. That is how he works all things for our good. 
by training us in the midst of them. So what this verse in Hebrews tells us is that if we don't receive God's instruction and training in the midst of hardship, then we are unable to experience the peaceful fruit of righteousness that that training can build in us. In other words, we're unable to receive the good that God has for us in the midst of that adversity. How this helps us understand our verse in Romans is that if we don't love God, then we simply aren't looking for his training in the midst of adversity. If we don't love him, then we're not really interested in what he has to teach us. In other words, if we are not among those who love God in Romans, then we are simply unable to be among those who have been trained in Hebrews. So God's promise to work suffering for our good is given to those who love God. But that's not because he is unwilling to work good for us if we don't love him, but instead it's because we are unable to receive the good that he has for us unless we love him. And how do we know if we love him? How does he ask us to express our love for him? In John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what's incredible about that, that is that even his commandments are his expression of love for us. I'll put a link for the post above where we talk about how his commandments for us are an expression of love to us. I can't tell you how excited I am about what I have to share in the next post. I wanna get very practical and applicable for us. I wanna talk about what is it that keeps us from receiving the good that God has for us? What prevents us from overcoming hardship, from overcoming adversity? Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell because you won't wanna miss it. Thanks again for joining us today.